Section three of the Macdermots of Ballycloran. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arlene Stebbins. The Macdermots of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section three The Tenantry of Ballycloran. Daddy said old Macdermot as he sat eating stirabout and thick milk over a great turf fire one morning about the beginning of October. Daddy, will you be getting the money out of them born devils this turn, and they owing it some two, some three years this November, bad cess to them for tenants. Daddy, I say, shouted or rather screamed the old man as his son continued silently eating his breakfast. Daddy, I say, they have the money at all at all, any of them. Or is it stubborn they are? There's Flannelly and Keegan with their d papers and bills and costs. Will you be making out the hundred forty-two pounds, seven shillings, six pence before Christmas for the hellhounds? Or it's them will be masters in Ballycloran. Then let the boys see the landlord they'll have over them that time. Well, Larry, said the son, unless in a passion he always called his father by his baptismal name, or rather by its abbreviation. "'What's the use going on that way before the girls here, and Feemy too?' Feemy, however, was reading The Mysterious Assassin, and paying little heed to her father's lamentations. "'When we're done and the things is out, we'll have a look at the rent-book, and send for the boys to come in. And if they haven't it, why, but Brady must go round again, and see what he can do with the potatoes and oats, and the pigs, but the times, Larry, is very hard on them, too hard entirely, so it is, poor things. Poor things, said the father, and ain't I a poor thing, and won't you and Feemy be poor things, hard times too? Who is the hard times hardest on? See that sneaking old robber flannelly that goes and my father good father for him with such a house as this that's falling in this day over his son's head and it not hardly fifty years built bad luck to it for a house see that old robber flannelly who's been living and thriving on it for all them years and a stone or a stick not as good as paid for yet and he getting two hundred a year off the land from the creators of tenants True enough it was that Mr. Joe Flannelly, of Carrick-on-Shannon, whatever might have been the original charge of building the Ballycloran mansion, now claimed two hundred pounds a year from that estate, to which his ingenious friend and legal adviser, Mr. Hyacinth Keegan, usually managed to add certain mysterious costs and ceremonious expenses, which made each half-year's rent of Larry Macdermott's own house about a hundred and forty pounds, before the poor man had managed to scrape it together. To add to this annoyance, Mr. Macdermott had continually before his eyes the time, which he could not but foresee was not distant, when this hated flannelly would come down on the property itself, insist on being paid his principal, and probably not only sell but buy Ballycloran itself, and whither then would the Macdermots betake themselves? Often and often did Larry in his misfortunes regret the slighted offers of Sally Flannelly's charms and cash. Oh, had he but then condescended to have married the builder's daughter, he would not now have been the builder's slave. 
But Sally Flannelly was now Sally Keegan, the wife of Hyacinth Keegan, Esquire, attorney, who, if he had not the same advantages as Larry in birth and blood, had compensation for his inferiority in cash and comforts. When the poor man thought of these things, and he did little else now but think of them, bitterly, though generally in silence, he cursed him whom he looked upon as his oppressor and incubus. It never occurred to him that if Mr. Flannelly built the house he lived in, he should be paid for it. He never reflected that he had lived to the extent of and above his precarious income, as if his house had been paid for, that instead of passing his existence in hating the Carrick tradesman, he should have used his industry in finding the means to pay him. He sometimes blamed his father, having an indefinite feeling that he ought not to have permitted Flannelly to have anything to do with Ballycloran, after building it, but himself he never blamed. People never do. It is so much easier to blame others, and so much more comfortable. Mr. Macdermott thus regarded his creditor as a vulgar, low-born bloodsucker, who, having by chicanery obtained an unwarrantable hold over him, was determined, if possible, to crush him. The builder, on the other hand, who had spent a long life of constant industry, but doubtful honesty, in scraping up a decent fortune, looked upon his debtor as one who gave himself airs to which his poverty did not entitle him, and was determined to make him feel that though he could not be the father, he could be the master of a real gentleman. After the short conversation between father and son, the breakfast passed over in silence. The father finished his stirabout, and turned round to the blazing turf to find consolation there. Feemy descended into the kitchen to scold the girls, give out the dinner, if there was any to give out, and to do those offices, whatever they be, in performing which all Irish ladies, bred, born, and living in moderate country houses, passed the first two hours after breakfast in the kitchen. Thaddy took his rent-book and went to an outhouse, which he complimented by the name of his office, at the door of which he was joined by Pat Brady. Now, Pat was an appendage unfortunately very necessary in Ireland to such an estate as Macdermott's, and his business was not only to assist in collecting the rents, by taking possession of the little crops and driving the cows or the pig, but he was, moreover, expected to know who could, and who could not, make out the money, to have obtained, and always have ready, that secret knowledge of the affairs of the estate, which is thought to be, and is so, necessary to the managing of the Irish peasantry in the way they are managed. Pat Brady was all this. Moreover, he had as little compunction in driving the cow or the only pig from his neighbour or cousin, and in selling off the oats or potatoes of his uncle or brother-in-law, as if he was doing that which would be quite agreeable to them. But still, he was liked on the estate. He had a manner with him which had its charms to them. He was a kind of leader to them in their agrarian feelings and troubles, and though the tenants of Ballycloran half feared, they all liked and courted Pat Brady. The most remarkable feature in his personal appearance was a broken nose, not a common ordinary broken nose, such as would give it an apparent partiality to the right or left cheek, nor such as would, by indenting it, give the face that good-natured look which Irish broken noses usually possess. Pat Brady's broken nose was all but flattened on to his face, as if it had never lifted its head after the fatal blow which had laid it low. He was strong-built, round-shouldered, bow-legged, about five feet six in height, and he had that kind of external respectability about him, which a tolerably decent hat, 
strong brogues, and worsted stockings give to a man, when those among whom he lives are without such luxuries. When I add to the above particulars that Pat was chief minister, adviser, and confidential manager in young Macdermot's affairs, I have said all that need be said. The development of his character must be left to disclose itself. "'Well, Pat,' began his master, seating himself on the solitary old chair, which, with a still older-looking desk on four shaking legs, comprised the furniture of Macdermot's rent-office. "'What news from Mohill to-day? Was there much in the fair at all?' "'Well, Your Honour, then, for them as had money to buy, the fair was good enough. But for them as had money to get it, it was as bad as them that were afore it, and as them as is likely to come after it. Were the boys in it, Pat? They were, Your Honour, the most of them. Well, Pat, oh, they were just there, that's all. Tim Brady should have got the top price for that oats of his, Pat. Maybe he might, Master Daddy. What did he get? There should be twelve barrels there. Eleven or thereabouts, Your Honour. Did he sell it all yesterday? Divil a grain, then, at all at all, he took to the fair yesterday. Bad manners to him, why didn't he? Why, he owes, and that he turned over the old book. Five half years this gale, and there's no use gammonin. Father must get the money off the land, or Flannelly will help himself. I knows, Master Thady, I knows all about it. Tim has between five and six acres, and he owes twenty-two pound tin. His oats is worth maybe five pound fifteen, from that to six pound, and his cow about six pound more. That's all Tim has, barring the brats and the mother of them. And he knows right well, Your Honour, if he brings you the price of the oats, you wouldn't let him off that way, for the cow should folly the oats, as is natural. The cabin would be sized next. So Tim says, if you choose to take the corn yourself, you can do so, well and good, and save him the trouble of bringing it to Mohill. Did the widow Reynolds sell her pig? She did, Your Honour, for two pound tin. And she owes seven pound. And Dan Coulahan. Dan didn't cut the oats, good or bad. I'll cut it for him, then. Was old Tierney there? He war, Your Honour, and I was tellin' him, Your Honour, it'd be wantin' the money this week, and I asked him to stip up a Friday mornin', and says I, Mr. Tierney, for since he made out the mare and the old car, it's Mr. Tierney he goes by. It's a fine season anyway for the corn, says I, the Lord be praised, and the hay all saved on them elegant bottoms of yours, Mr. Tierney. The master was glad to hear the cocks was all up afore the heavy rain was come. Well, Pat, says he, I'll be at Ballyclore on a Friday place, God. But it's little I'll have with me but myself, and if the master likes the corn and the hay, he may just take them, af it's blazing to him, for the devil a cock or grain will I sell, and the price is so bad. Obstinate old fool, why, Pat, he must have the money. Money, to be sure he has the money, Master Daddy, but maybe he'd be the bigger fool if he gave it to your father. Do the boys mean to say they won't pay the rent at all? They mean to say they can't, 
and it's nearly through for them. Was Joe Reynolds at the fair, Pat? He wore not, that's to say, he wore not at the fair, but I seen him in the evening with the other boys from Drumlish at Mrs. Mulrady's. Them boys has always the money when they want a drop of whisky. By dad, if they go to Mulrady's with the money in their pockets on a Tuesday, where's the wonder they come here with them empty on a Friday? Fetch me a call for the pipe, Pat. Whilst Pat walked into the kitchen for a lighted piece of turf, Hebernice Cole, to kindle his patron's pipe, Daddy stuck said pipe in his jaw, and continued poring over the unsatisfactory figures of the Ballycloran rent-book. "'I tell you what it is, Pat,' said he, after finishing the process of blowing and drawing and throwing the coal on the earthen floor, and pressing down the hot-burning tobacco with the top of his forefinger repeatedly, "'Mr. Joe Reynolds will out of that. I told him so last April, and a divil of a penny of his we've seen since. He don't do the best he can for us.' "'And my belief is he injures the others, eh, Brady?' "'And he looked up into Brady's face for confirmation or refutation of this opinion. "'But that gentleman, contrary to his usual wont, seemed to have no opinion on the matter. "'He continued scratching his head and swinging one leg while he stood on the other. "'Thaddy, finding that his counsellor said nothing, continued, "'Joe Reynolds will out of this time, do you hear? "'What has he on that bit of land of his?' Brady's mostly Mr. Thaddy. He had half an acre of weight. He parted on the ground that old Tierney. He owed Tierney money. And so the tenants buy the crops from one another, and yet won't pay their own rents. Well, my father's to blame himself, if he'd put a man like Keegan over them. Or have them let the land to some rough hand as would make them pay, divil a much he need care for flannelly this day. "'and you'd be for putting a stranger over them, Mr. Thaddy, "'and they that would stand between you are all Aram, "'or the master, or the old master afore him, "'because of the dirty money, "'and because a blackguard and a black ruffian like Flanley "'as an old paper signed by the master, or the like. "'And as for Mr. Hoysinth Keegan, "'I'm thinking the first time he goes collecting on the lands of Drumlish, it's a warm welcome he'll be getting. At any rate, he'll have more creates in his carcass than in his pocket that day. That's very fine talk, Pat. But if Keegan had them, he'd tame them, as he has others afore. Not but I'd be sorry they should be in his hands, the robber bad as they are. But it'll come to that, whether or no. How's my father to get his money for Flannelly? D Flannelly! was Brady's easy solution of the family difficulties. Let him take the house he builds and be d to him, and if we can't build a better one for the master and Miss Feeney and you without his help, me Brady's joke me. Boy, Dad, if he take the house and leave his ground, he's my welcome, and said merely felt the bat. But the land will stick to the house, and mark me when the old flannelly dies, and the devil die along with him. Mr. Keegan of Carrick will write himself Hyacinth Keegan, Esquire of Ballycloran. May I never see the day, and he and I alive, amen, said Brady as he crossed himself in sign of the sacred truth of his wish. But I think, Mr. Thaddy, when you come to consider of it, 
you'll find plenty of means of keeping mr keegan and mrs keegan out of the parlour of ballycloran but about joe reynolds your honour was saying i was saying that divil another potato he should dig in drumlish nor another grain of corn shall he sow or rape that's what i was saying well mr thady you're the master thank god and if you say so it must be done but joe reynolds is not that bad either he was saying though at mrs mulrady's that he expected little from your honour but just leave to go where he liked and lave the cow and the praties behind him what were they saying at mulrady's bat they were only just passing their remarks your honour about how thick you are this time back with captain usher and miss feemy too and the maister and that when the loikes of him wore as one of the family it's little he likes of them that would be getting now from ballycloran only hard words and maybe a help to carrick gale because captain usher visits at ballycloran is that any reason why he should interfere between my father and his tenants sarah o one av me knows then mr thady only that the tenants is no good friends to the captain nor why should they and he going through the country with the lot of idle blackguards with arms and guns seizing the poor devils for nothing at all only for trying to make out the rint for your honour with a rifle of poteen that's queer of friendship ay and it's the truth i'm telling you mr thady for he's no friend to you or yours sure isn't pat reynolds in ballyanamore bridle on his account and two other boys from the mountains behind drumnish because they found a trifle of half malted barley up there among em and be the same token joe was saying if the friend of the family war persecuting them that way and putting his brother in gale was the master wouldn't raise a finger barring for the rent the sooner he and his were off the estate the better he'd like it for joe said he'd not be fighting again his own maister but when you were not his maister any more then let every one look to hisself whilst brady was giving this short expose of the feelings displayed at the little whisky shop in mohill on the previous fair day young macdermot was pulling hard at the dudheen as if trying to hide his embarrassment in smoke brady paused for some time and then added joe mostly leads those boys up at drumlish and ard to lead they are i'm thinking captain usher with all his revenue of peelers and his guns may meet his match there yet they'll all him av he goes on much farther as sure as my name's pat they'll get the worst of that brady not that i care throwing for him and his company it's true for you he is persecuting them too far what with the revenue police the constabulary police and the magistrate's warrants they won't let them walk to mass quietly next i didn't care what they did to master miles but they'd have the worst of it in the end and it's little you ought to care for the same captain master thady have you at all it's little he's making of miss feemy's name with the police captain and a young gauger and young james fitzsimon when they're over there at the bally in the morgue together and great nights they have of it too though they all have it in moil he's to marry miss feeny if so indeed 
but then he isn't a black protestant sorrow take them for protestants there's hyacinth keegan calls himself a protestant now his father warn't ashamed of the old religion when he sarved processes away to drumshabot and what were the gentlemen saying about Feemy pat oh your honour how could i know what gentlemen is saying over their punch together only they do be saying in ballinamore that the captain don't spake that decently of miss Feemy, as if they were to be man and wife sorrow blister his tongue the day he'd say a bad word of her faith he'd better take care of himself if it's my sister he's playing his game with he'll find out though there ain't much to be got worth havin at ballyclora now as long as there's a macdermot in it he may still get the treatment the blackguard deserves if he plays his tricks with Feemy. pat saw that his object had been gained he suspected that no warm feelings of friendship existed in his master toward the aforesaid captain and he was determined there should be none if he could help it he was not wrong in his surmises for from the constant visits of miles usher to ballycloran people had for some time been saying that he meant to marry Feemy. they now began to say that he ought to do so while her brother and his minister are discussing that subject and others settling who could pay or who should pay at the convocation of tenants to be held the coming friday and who couldn't and who should be ejected and who not we will obtain a little insight into captain usher's affairs and account for the residence of so gallant a gentleman in the little town of mohill end of section three the tenantry of ballycloran